everyone, Leanne Pilkington and Harriet Saunders with you for the latest edition of Unstoppable, the podcast. And the whole point is that we're talking about the things that are holding you back in both your life and your career and helping you to unlock your potential. And today, Harriet, we are talking about imposter syndrome. We are indeed. We are indeed. I always thought that it was a chick thing. That it was just really women that um, actually suffered from it. But that's not true, is it? No. So imposter syndrome was initially identified in 1978 by psychologist Pauline Rose Clance and Suzanne Immes. And initially it was theorized that it only affected women. It's, however, been proven that that's completely incorrect. It affects all genders, ages, all types of jobs. It is, however, mainly attributed to high performers and high achievers. Oh, that's why I get it. Um Today, we kind of define it more as anyone who isn't able to internalize their success. Oh, interesting. I know I, um, I listened to a podcast and it was entitled, My Inner Critic is an Asshole. Wow. <laughs> and, um, and although I wouldn't say my, um, my inner critic is that tough, certainly when I went through thinking about whether to buy Lang and Simmons, mm. um, I really questioned I really questioned whether I could actually do that. And then ultimately it's just, you know, I I call it giving myself an uppercut. (laughs) Gave myself an an uppercut, gave myself an attitude readjustment and went, you know what? Of course I can. Of course I can do it. Yeah, and it's funny that imposter syndrome... um it sits very much in what you tell yourself, not yep. what others think of you. So when you define it, that's what I meant by not being able to internalize your success. So what that means is you feel as though the way other people perceive your success is not true, or you feel as though what you've achieved has been pot luck, yep. or it's down to your looks, or it was down to the network helping you. Essentially, your brain literally will look for any excuse to attribute your success to anything other than your hard work and talent. That's imposter syndrome. When you kind of say, oh, yeah, but I only got that job because or. Yeah, I was lucky. I was just lucky. It was just luck. I'm just really lucky. Or did you work hard? Because, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I get. So they say. (laughs) So they say. Yeah. So are there different types of. Um, imposter syndrome. Yeah, there are. So you can really sort of begin to figure out what type of imposter syndrome you have by having a think about the main sort of types that you can define. So the first one is the perfectionist. This is when you focus primarily on how you do things, often to the point where you demand perfection of yourself in every aspect. So it doesn't matter if today I recorded this podcast because it wasn't perfect and therefore doesn't count. Right. Right. So you don't count it. So and because perfection is such an unrealistic goal, you can never actually meet the standards. Or when you do, it's like a one in 20 or one in 100, you know, no matter how hard you work. So instead of acknowledging the hard work you've put in after completing a task, you instead criticize yourself for the small mistakes and you feel ashamed of your failure or the fact that you didn't get it right. And. You know, the thing about this type of imposter syndrome is, you know, at its worst, it can actually stop you trying new things because if I can't do it perfectly first time, I'm then going to beat myself up and feel like a failure. So I just won't try it all. I won't do it at all. Yes. So the perfectionist is a really tricky one because they tend to be the insanely hard hard workers and high achievers among us. But that that intense self-criticism of even if I did it, I didn't do it the way I wanted to do it and the process to get there and the journey wasn't in the right order with the right steps and that didn't go exactly to plan. Therefore, the success doesn't count. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to pat myself on the back because I made one tiny mistake in the process to get here. 
Yeah, right. That sounds exhausting. It is exhausting. All right. What's the next one? Um, the other type of imposter syndrome um, is, you know, aptly named the natural genius. <laughs> right. Um, this means you spent your life picking up new skills with borderline no effort. So this, you know, the type of people like one of my sons is like this. He's just like insanely good at any sport he does. Mm -hmm. So much so that when he's great at that sport, he won't give himself the kudos for it. Right. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, well, I'm so insanely good at rugby that obviously I scored five tries, but I'm not proud of it. What do you mean? Give yourself a minute. No, nah, I can't. Um, and so because you believe you should understand new material and processes straight away, or you should pick things up quickly because you're a quote unquote natural genius, this kind of, it, it kind of creates this belief in your mind that competent people can handle anything with no difficulty. And so you either feel like a fraud if you have a hard time with something or you feel like you achieved it too easily and it doesn't count. So you borderline never feel like you're achieving yeah. anything because you're like, well, that was too easy and it came naturally to me. So it took no effort. So I don't get the kudos for it. And then on the counter of that, why am I finding this so hard? It's because I'm an idiot. And that's yep. intense, intense self-criticism. It means if something doesn't come easily to you or you fail at it on your first try, you feel ashamed and embarrassed and you don't take credit. Whereas, mm. you know, what we know about a growth mindset and about a high performance person is that you need to have that ability to navigate failure and mistake on the journey to success. And so this person will self-sabotage, unfortunately, which mm. is a big challenge. Yes, absolutely. All right. What's the next one? Um, the rugged individualist. Okay. So this is someone that just thinks they can do everything by themselves. Oh, okay. And if they have to delegate or ask for help, it doesn't count. So it's Gosh. like um, you bought Lang and Simmons, <laughs> but you needed help. So it doesn't count, Leanne. <laughs> it's that kind of... that. Yeah, right. If that's, that's not me. That one's not me. I know that I need help. I need a lot of help, Harriet. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> Always. I guess this one just kind of comes from a place of if you can't achieve success completely independently, then you consider yourself unworthy of the achievement. Yep. Um, if you have to ask for help or you accept support when it's offered, you just kind of feel like you failed at meeting your own high standards um, and you don't really want to acknowledge failure. So again, a bit like the natural genius, if you don't accept failure as a part of the process towards success, you end up mm. to some extent self-sabotaging what you can achieve. It is such an important thing to reframe failure incredibly important yeah. yeah I mean if if you imagine anything you've ever achieved ever you had to make mistakes on that journey it's, sure. it's it's the learning process if you imagine how your brain is is built from an evolutionary perspective you look at the way a baby learns anything they learn to walk by falling over that's, that's right. it's yeah. the way your brain learns and so as adults we get this really counterproductive thought process going where to fail is to fail to make a mistake is to fail. And we need to really step back from that and remind ourselves, no, to fail and make mistakes is to learn and grow. That's, yeah. that's how we are built in our brains. It's, there's no point in thinking about it any other way. But we've talked before on this podcast about um, how we as a corporate team get curious when, when we fail or when we make a mistake. We just look at that and go, hmm, did not go as well as planned. So well, let's get that, curious. <laughs> that did not go to plan. That was a mess. What did we do? That was a, what, what went wrong there? And I think when you can keep your defences down, we've also talked about sort of above and below the line. Yep. If you can be really above the line when you make a mistake, okay, so that was... 
Yeah, that was like probably one of the worst mistakes I've ever made. That was interesting. Why did that happen? What can I learn from it and how can I grow? And if we can, and if you can encourage that in a team, like our corporate yeah. team, we're pretty lucky when we make mistakes, we do, we get really curious. We go, okay, let's get curious about that. Why, why did that go so horribly? Like car yep. crash wrong. That was not good. Yeah. So for, for me as a leader, one of the things that I say to all of you when you start working um, with me, it's like, tell me, put your hand up. If something goes wrong, put your hand up, tell me um, and tell me wh- what you think we the way we should approach it next time. So I want to make it a safe place mm. for people to make mistakes and to learn and grow because if you don't, then people are going to hide things from you. It's true. And they, nobody hide. I mean, it's rare that someone hides something because they don't care. The truth yep. is the reason we take failure and mistakes to heart is because we care deeply. Yep. So if you're an agent and you really mess something up on someone's campaign you, and you beat yourself up about it, it's because you care. It's, you know, focus on the fact that that comes from a place of caring about your vendors and your buyers and caring about what you do. Yep. You know, nobody wants to let anyone down. But I think you only let yourself and others down if you take that failure and let it be you know a destructive force rather than one to bounce back from absolutely the next version of the imposter oh another type of imposter syndrome is the expert so this is a little bit like the perfectionist but not quite this is more more focused on sort of if if you you, you, you don't consider your work a success unless you've learned every single thing about the topic. Oh, wow. Right? So, you know, th- that's a challenge. Yeah, massively. <laughs> so you might spend so much time pursuing your quest for more information that you end up having to actually devote more time to f- gathering information than the task itself. So you self-sabotage. You don't achieve the thing that you're fully capable of achieving because you feel that you have no right to achieve it until you're an expert in it. Yeah. <laughs> which is like that yeah, just that's stresses just me out just thinking yeah, about me it too. and since you believe that you should at all times have every single answer to every single question you consider yourself a fraud or a failure when you encounter knowledge you missed or you or you you get asked a question you don't know the answer to so if I asked you a question as the CEO of Lang and Sims and you didn't immediately know the answer imagine if you then decided you weren't worthy of being CEO can you imagine how self-destructive mm. that would be yeah so challenging yeah, it sure would. And, but you know, I should say, we are going to give you some solutions to these. Are we? Yeah, oh, we are. Because we're not just going to lead you down this black hole of imposter syndrome. Awesome. What's the next one? There's one last one, and that's the superhero. Um, this is where you link your competence um, to your ability to succeed at everything. Right. So whether you're a student, a friend, an employee, a parent, if you fail to successfully navigate the demands of every single role, you feel it simply proves that you're inadequate. So I can relate to this one as a single working mom. So I often say I have to get myself off the hook by saying, right, you want to exercise today, be a great mom today, smash it at work today and have a clean house and walk the dog and Make at least one friend phone call to maintain friendships. Cool. That's six things. Pick three. Yep. Because if I try and do six, I go down this road right. where I'm like, I'm not being a good friend. I'm not being a good mom. I'm not being a good head of growth and development. I'm not being a good dog owner. I'm not taking care of my house. I'm basically, I'm, I'm hopeless. I'm a complete failure. Yeah. So instead I reframe it where I say, pick three because I can never have six but I can do some of the others tomorrow tomorrow yep correct but the thing about the superhero is to succeed you will literally push yourself to the full limit so rather than focusing on the priority tasks the priority roles that you have today so like during the week my work takes a priority role but on the weekends 
the mum role comes up yeah, and course. takes more priority. And so, but if I tried to get both 10 out of 10 every day, I'd burn out. Yep. Facts, right? And so the superhero is a classic burnout one. Um, the, you know, even with maximum effort, even if you're doing your level best, like you're exhausting yourself and you're burning out, your brain will say, I should be able to do more. This shouldn't be this hard. Why isn't this easier? You're doing it wrong. Right. Such a challenge. That's, yeah, that is a challenge. I think after listening to all of those, I think I might be the natural genius. <laughs> yeah. Because I just remember when we were going through the buyout of, of the brand and I was responsible for doing budgets and forecasts and um, all of the um, financials for and setting up the company and all of that stuff, I kept on telling myself, oh, you're so bad at this, you're so bad at this, you're hopeless at this, you're never going to get it done. And the more I said it, the worse I felt. Yeah. Um, the more anxious I got, the less I slept. And um, it was a matter of, you know, that give yourself an uppercut, adjust But that's self-sabotage because yeah. the less you sleep and the more stressed you are, yep. the less likely you are to get it right. Yep. And in fact, the more you engage in those thought processes – the more you are a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, That's the absolutely. trouble. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you self-fulfill. You say, yeah. I'm failing. Well, you like, you are now. You <laughs> yeah. weren't before, yeah. but you are now. Yeah, you're doing a really good job of that failing. Yeah, yeah. well done you. Do you like being right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's the trouble as well. The brain does have a tendency to not want to be wrong. Yep. So the trouble with imposter syndrome is that invariably you will prove yourself right. Well, I actually, and I don't know whether this is a... Um, a, a, a popular tactic or not, but I actually talk to myself in the third person out loud. Really? Yeah. It's like, Leanne, you know you can actually do this if you put your mind to it. Get on with it. Whatever works. Yeah. So I, I tend, when I, when I get into um, imposter syndrome, I set myself up to achieve simpler tasks to drive okay. the sense of achievement. So I will go for a walk. Yeah. I will work out or I will do an hour of yoga or I will cook something delicious for my children. Yeah. I will do something that has an instant like endorphin release and sense of achievement and sort of reframe and go, okay, you can do it. You can. It's the same thing. I just, you yeah. give yourself a stern talking to and then give yourself something to make you feel like you're achieving you, things. You yeah. can succeed at. Yeah. I think okay. the trouble with imposter feelings is that they kind of, they represent a really big conflict between your self-perception, so the way you think of yourself and the way others think of you. So, mm -hmm. and, you know, other people can praise your talents and you will simply write your success off to good timing or luck. So not believing that you've earned what you've got from your own merits makes you fear constantly that somebody's going to, like, rumble you. Oh, somebody's going to realize eventually. So you actually yeah. put yourself also, not only are you having these awful thought processes that self-sabotage, but you're actually putting yourself in a state of anxiety as well. And um, I think it also creates a huge amount of pressure on yourself to work harder, to either keep others from recognizing your shortcomings and failures, or, you know, you push, you push yourself harder, harder because you want to become worthy of the roles, the role that you're in that you believe you don't deserve. Um, you might want to make up for what you consider to be like a lack of intelligence and you actually begin to feel guilty that you're tricking people. That's really hard because if you're experiencing this and you actually feel guilty, so if you're an agent and you've just got your, this amazing listing, it's like this big house and it's, you know, a career making listing. If you're walking around feeling guilty because you don't feel like you've got the skill set to be handling a listing like that. That's challenging. That's mm. really hard. So what do people do? Well, 
you, the, the trouble is a lot of people who have imposter syndrome, and I see this a lot, will say, but I won't feel this way when, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So let's use your example. I feel like an imposter right now buying the brand, but I won't feel like I'm an imposter when I've bought it because yep. then I'll have it and I'll be doing it. And now you've been CEO for how long? 18 months. So say when I've been CEO for 18 months, I will no longer feel this way because I'll have achievements to prove wrong. The trouble with imposter syndrome is you can set yourself that type of targeted sort of, I won't feel this way anymore when. The trouble is it's been proven that that doesn't get rid of it. So it actually doesn't matter how much you achieve. You will never believe unless you fix the thought process okay. that you've that you've got there. And so over time, this can fuel anxiety and guilt and all those things. Um, and so, and obviously burnout. I think it's... Um, it's really important to say that research shows a huge amount of people suffer with it. So if you are yeah, listening not to... It's unusual, right? Correct. Um, so what do we do about it? Mm-hmm. The first thing is to understand it. And I think we've gone some way to sort of talking about that so far today. Um, but how do we stop the self-sabotage and what I like to call comparatonitis, where you're like, you know, they, there's that saying, isn't there, that um, comparison is the thief of joy. Yep. So if you compare yourself constantly to others, you're robbing yourself of the joy. And so we want to kind of work out how to resolve the internal voice, because the truth is it doesn't matter what you achieve. If the internal voice does not change, those thoughts will apply at every stage of your career, your relationship, your fitness regime, your weight, your anything. You will always sabotage your own excess and rob yourself of the joy of your achievement. So there's a really cool practical tool that you can use to correct and work through these thought processes and it's called a thought ladder okay i don't know if you've ever done one of these no i haven't so a thought ladder is pretty cool so the basic concept is that we can't go from thinking something like let's pick a thought okay i'm fat let's just do that one okay i don't know why it's the one that came in because that's the worst form of self-sabotage right self-image i'm fat now i can't go so that's i want you to imagine a ladder with five rungs. Okay. And the bottom rung, the most negative thought is I'm fat. Okay. And what's the and then I want you to draw the ladder above it. Yep. And I want you to say, what is my goal thought? My goal thought is maybe you're gonna be really brave here and you're gonna say, I like the way I look. Or better yet, I'm gorgeous. Okay. Cool. So you wanna go from I'm fat to I'm gorgeous. Okay. Great. Here's the thing. That's too big a jump. It's a big leap, yeah. Big leap. So what you need to do is work your way up the ladder. So the bottom thought is negative. Right. Okay. And the top thought is positive and there's five steps. So the negative thought is, let's call it number one is negative. I'm fat. So then you go one rung up and you go, okay, what's the second thought that is less negative? It's not even neutral. It's just less negative. I don't mind the way I look in that dress or I like my ankles or I like my hands, or pick something. You're not even being neutral here. You're just being less negative. I'm annoyed at that part of my body, but I'm okay with that part. Cool. Then you go up one more and you pick a neutral thought. The neutral thought being, I'm okay with my body. Just okay. Don't even need to be positive at this point. I'm okay with my body. Okay. The next thought above that is neutral to positive, which might be, I think I look great in jeans. Or I am really happy with, you know, my legs, my wrists, my hair and my eyes. Mm-hmm. That's actually more positive. Mm-hmm. And then the step up from that might be, I'm bloody gorgeous. But how do you actually get your brain to... Right. So the first thing is to draw your ladder. Right. Okay. 
and you're on the negative thought. Now I want you to take this, the one rung up. What is that sentence? The less negative sentence. Yes. Yeah. Thought ladder number, the second thought ladder. Yeah. And you need to put it on your screensaver, on your mirror. You need to put it by your bed and you need to say this thought to yourself over and 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 over. And I mean over. So it should be on your computer screen, your phone screensaver, post-it note, whatever works for you. Say it to yourself when you wake up. Say it to yourself when you go to bed. Read it when you feel bad. Once a day is fine, 20 times a day is better. Say it until when you say it, you don't feel uncomfortable. And that can take weeks, can take months, depending on how bad your imposter syndrome is. So if you apply it to your career, the bottom rung, the most negative thought might be, I'm a terrible agent. The thought up might be, I'm not the worst agent. The thought up from that might be, I'm an agent and I'm okay. Yeah. The thought up from that might be, I'm an agent and I do a good job. And the top thought might be, I'm a great agent. Yeah. And you literally work your way up the ladder one rung at a time. And you, you, you say the thought, you read the thought, and you get completely obsessed with that thought until you can say it and believe it and not feel uncomfortable. And you literally work your way up one rung at a time and it does take time some rungs will go quicker than others and there'll be some that you really get stuck at you know and so it's usually when you get comfortable with the neutral thought it's quite hard to jump to neutral yeah Um, but if you can brainstorm your own thought ladder from your the thought you are today to your goal thought and break it down into five you're welcome to do six or more steps if you need to pad them out more do it if you feel that the jumps are too severe pad them out do a thought ladder of ten and every time you just move up one rung that's your new thought put it everywhere put it all over everything and sit with it for a couple of weeks maybe longer until when you say that thought to yourself you're actually okay with it and it sits with you and you're not uncomfortable and you can even imagine yourself believing it. So the goal here is to reframe your thoughts one small step at a time. Well, that sounds amazing. I would love to get some feedback from people that have tried that tool. (laughs) Me too. Yeah, (laughs) I have tried it um, and it did work. But absolutely, if you're out there listening and you have imposter syndrome, build yourself a thought ladder and just work your way up one rung at a time sounds like a plan all right i'm gonna let you go with thanks to the bella vista hotel for hosting us in their beautiful little podcast room it's awesome Uh i will see you very soon bye 